Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan is going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hello, Wizards fans. Just wanted to bring you a little update here on free agency since, you know, the Wizards are huge movers and shakers and have made some very big signings already. Just getting They've done exactly what we expected them to do, but we'll get into that here in a minute. We've got Osmond Vagable and Trevor joining me. Oz and I are going to break down what they've done so far, what we expect them to do, if we expect them to do anything, all that good stuff. But first, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including the year's basketball championship finals, NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEF, B L E A V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, with that, let's bring in Oz, and we'll just kind of Hit the ground running here on free agency so far. Okay, I got Oz joining me here. Oz, we are a couple hours into free agency. Are you blown away by all the big moves the Wizards have made? Are you underwhelmed? Are you acceptably whelmed? Where are you at so far? It's, I am, I am not whelmed. I'm not like, look, what they did was kind of what you expected. It's, it's funny. They typically do things. Shepard plays things very close to, close to the vest. No one knew the pit poor industry was going to happen. Monte Morris to the to the Wizards, Delon Wright to the Wizards. Those were kind of easy connecting of the dots. Yeah, and I think even word began to spill a few like, "Hey, they're interested in these guys," which isn't really typical for Shepard. So I'm a little surprised that word's beginning to leak a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, it was it was logical. It fit what they with the tools they had. Wright came via the MLE. Morris and Barton came via. Uh, it's his contract before it became guaranteed combined with, with Caldwell Pope's um, contract. So it makes sense in regard in, it, it makes sense because that those were the tools they had. And these were the type of players they could get with those tools. So I'm just whelmed. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's status quo, right? Like this is yeah. kind of the moves we've expected. No earth shattering things. Yeah. I guess it's funny, like this is one of those situations where a team offers a guy a quarter billion dollar contract and him taking it is sort of just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like none of us are surprised. Uh, that That's maybe the biggest wizard signing. And it's the one I'm kind of least excited to talk about here. It was funny, like there were still people that thought like, I don't know, maybe he won't sign it. There was never a world or a scenario, no matter what's been reported, where he wasn't going to take that money. And as a Wizards fan, you should actually be glad that he did. If he leaves, you get nothing. Right. If they sign and trade him, you get very little. 
And no matter what we think about Beal, it's funny, like we we overrate our talent on every other position except Beal, where we've actually mm-hmm. underrated him. Like around the league, this is a tradable contract. I mean, like if Westbrook can net you Kuzma, KCP, and a pick, uh, Beal in two years is still a tradable contract. Now, yeah. if he looks like a total shell of himself, which I don't expect, then maybe that's a different story. But someone's going to convince themselves that when he doesn't have the offensive burden or they make him the third star or whatever, that the shooting will come back. He's still easily plug and play next to a lot of guys. So you had to do this and it's actually your best chance to get like reasonable return for him longer term in my opinion. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're hundred percent correct there. Once it got to this point, you can't let him go for nothing. That, that would just be everyone, you know, on Twitter, you would keep seeing people say, or just everywhere. How could you pay him this much? It was like, let him walk. you have a choice at this point. You have absolutely no choice. They've already wasted the opportunity to tank for the season. Exactly. So letting him walk now is, is just pointless. So like you said, get the contract done. It is funny. Uh, I was watching from the team account. They said, yeah, they, there was a, a tweet about we're going to get Beal in a contract or after the agreement was made. And 10 minutes after it was tweeted, there was still like 250 likes. This is a, a quarter of a billion dollar contract to a franchise. So one like player. for every million dollar he's getting. Yeah, yeah, and just no one seemed to care, which is kind of what you said earlier and kind of just the whole what defines everything that they've just done. They're making nice moves. You can't critique getting Monte Morris and Will Barton for Caldwell Pope. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. You can't really critique DeLon Wright for part of the MLE. That's a good signing also. But they're, they haven't changed anything. They're making nice moves, but aren't changing anything. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's get into the right one, and, and we can maybe circle back to the Beal context overall here. But just, right. so they had DeLon Wright, and the, I saw a lot of like, you know, he's young, he's got upside. I think everybody forgot the guy was like 23 years old when he got drafted. <laughs> and by the way, I had a lot of like his stock on draft night. I was a very big fan. He's just sort of underwhelmed which this is a typical Tommy, like buy low guy. He's had two or three good seasons out of, out of his career thus far, but he's 30 years old coming off a season where he averaged four points, about three rebounds and about two and a half assists. He couldn't get 20 minutes per game on a team that desperately needed uh, a a big guard to play defense. And they still couldn't find a way to put him out there. And on paper, he's the best guard to play next to somebody like Trey Young. And they still didn't play him next to Trey Young all that often. <laughs> so I don't know what rap, you know, radically changes with him here in, in DC, but right. you hope you, re, you know, regain some form. He, the shooting has improved over the course of his career. He's like sub 40% now, which is a lot better than I kind of expected him to shoot coming out of college. So if he, if he can get back to the 10 points a game, four rebounds, three assists, a steal here and there, low turnovers and hit 39% of his threes. That's totally worth $8 million a year. And, and when you see what like Tyus Jones got, Jones is a better player, but he's also limited and he's going to make, you know, double what Wright makes. And I don't know that exactly. he's double the player. So I'm exactly. fine with it. I think there's a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The, when you look at Jalon Wright, it's, oh, look at the percentages. The percentages are great. 45, 38, yeah. you know, he's 85 or 86% from the free throw line. On like a half an attempt per game. <laughs> right. I mean, when you look at the, the raw numbers, it's 4.4 points a game. So there's the way I describe him, I, I describe him as like a better, a better Sadoransky, you know? Is I he think, better though? Like, I mean, I'm just, honestly. I don't necessarily know that. 
I, I don't necessarily know. I'm that saying you're wrong. I just, I, I don't think we know. Uh, that's yeah. the problem. We don't really know that, but he's he's also not that much younger either, which is which, which is why. No, he's not that much younger. So yeah, okay, fine. We could say this. He is basically they signed. They signed Sadaransky when he left Washington. Yeah, right. They exactly. did not sign. They did not sign the Sadaransky who played yeah, in New I Orleans. Like they sat. They signed Thomas Tomas Sadaransky who left Washington and went yeah. to Chicago. That's the player they got. Um, you kind of think that the fit that Tomas and Beal had, you want to replicate that or emulate that with with Wright and, and Beal because Wright is someone who could be effective without the ball. I share the same thought with you. I thought when he was leaving Toronto, he was going to kind of take off, become like maybe a 15, 6, and 4 type of player. he busted our ass like a player that would turn into a 15, 6, and 4 player. Yeah, but he really just kind of capped out at like 10, 5, and 4, and that's kind of what he is. And that was in like 30 minutes a game. So you can't just say, oh, let's just play more in those percentages. All those stats, the raw, those raw numbers will go up. You're going to get, probably he's going to play 20 to 25 minutes a game here, and you're going to get six, four, and three with good defense. Mm-hmm. And people will complain at the raw numbers when they actually see like, hey, what are these numbers? But he'll have a similar impact to what he had. You know, he'll just have a similar impact. He's a nice, solid player for most of the MLE doesn't move the needle, doesn't change things, but just, it was fine. You know, <laughs> he, he's fine with a lowercase F and a period at the end and not an exclamation yeah. point. You yeah. know, that, that's, <laughs> and, and I don't know if I said this at the beginning, but he signed for two years, 16 million. So 8 million per ish. That's basically the bulk of your MLE. Right. That's so, right. They have their, ba- they have their biannual exception now left, which is how much again? I think 2. it's about four and a half. Oh, okay. it, it went better. up this year. So I think it's about four and a half. Okay. Um, I, with so many moving targets, I have no idea where they are relative to the tax line right, right now. Probably just a shade under it, if I had to yeah. guess. Because I wanted to say that I saw using both puts them over. Uh, so I, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of other big signings here. And the other one they did make uh, during the course of this was re-signing Anthony Gill to a two-year deal. I would imagine some portion of the second year is partially guaranteed or a team right. option or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an adult. You need adults in the room. You let Ish go. You can't afford to do it. You saw how Kuzma was if you follow Kuzma on Twitter about Gil coming back. There's a reason everyone likes an adult. But again, he's eating some amount into the probably the remainder of what was left on the MLE or, or mm-hmm. however it works. And uh, that, that's probably about the, the extent of the free agent moves that the Wizards are going to yeah, make, I, I would agree. imagine. Yeah, you like having, and I kind of think of it this way, like they're players when I went to go play, when anyone plays basketball, they're players that you want to play with. They're players that even if they're not the greatest, you just value having them there. And you kind of like, yeah, I want to play with that guy. He seems like that guy, even if he's on the floor or not. But in the end, the issue is you have 15 roster spots. And with those 15 of those 15 roster spots, now five are dedicated to one position mm-hmm. because you need that player in there. So that's cool and all. Everyone's happy he's back. But you have five power forwards and <laughs> none of them are really threes. None of them are really fours. Yes, they could all play. But is that really the best way to to balance a roster? No. You know, like you have a, now it seems like we have a ton of guards. We have a ton of fours. Now we have no threes and we still don't have a backup center. So let's see what they do there. And of course, that comes out, you know, comes on the heels of the reporting that the Wizards are the major player in the John Collins sweepstakes to get him from Atlanta. And guess what position John <laughs> Collins plays? You know, a sixth power forward, I think, is what would really take this team from like a play in to like maybe the seventh seed or, oh, wait, even better, sixth seed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, admittedly, I've been pro John Collins in uh, on the trade talk. And that's simply because of this. Uh, I, I think they need some consolidation somewhere. 
ideally they would consolidate to improve the three and get a true three and D wing two way small forward, something to that effect. Agreed. I do like John Collins. I think he is, um, I don't love him. Uh, you know, I, I remember we were doing a pod with Kevin Broom earlier and he suggested John Collins as a trade target way back in the day. And, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't like throw, throw everything at him, but what he does do is he is probably a better athlete than anyone on the team. Agreed. He's, he plays above the rim. Actually, I take that back. Gafford, similar. He gives you kind of a little bit Gafford. But in the ballpark, right? I mean, that, that right. kind of guy. Yeah, he gives you that kind of lob threat at the four. Mm-hmm. He also gives you three-point shooting. The volume isn't huge, but about four attempts a game, roughly mm-hmm. there. It's reliable is, enough. Right. If you give him a spot up, he's not going to break it. It's going to be, he's going to be a reliable, decent percentage three-point shooter. Um, he had a 2010 season with like 60 uh, on 66 or 65% true shooting for his career, 63% true shooting percentage. He does not need the ball to be effective and he doesn't need volume to be effective. So if I'm trying to build a, build a, a team around Beal and Porzingis, which they've been clear, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to kind of emulate the whole Jamal Murray, uh, Nikola, uh, Nikola Jokic, um, dynamic that they had in Denver. First, first of all, that's not going to happen, but that's what they're trying to emulate. Do you want like it? Do you want someone who's ball dominant to be your third option? He's or super you want... Jeremy Grant for them. He's what Grant was for that Nuggets team. Exactly. He could give you eighteen and nine on like on great shooting percentages, and he'll make some highlight plays. And there's nothing really wrong. And he's signed long term, so you kind of take that. You take the next contract off the table because it's already there. You add a dynamic. And the other thing is this, Porzingis is not going to play 82 games. Mm-hmm. So those games where, where Porzingis doesn't play, John Collins might be able to take a bigger role in that kind of Porzingis role and might be able to go to 20, 25 points a game for like a stretch of 10 games for you. Again, without like needing heavy volume, causing high, to have, turning the ball over at a high level, something like that. So I think he's a good fit. And if I have to consolidate two of the fours to get it done, so be Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, so we've gone back and forth about this, like on our own group chat and all that kind of yeah. stuff about like Collins, Kuzma, all that stuff. I think Kuzma's a better creator for himself and for, for others. Sure. For sure. He's a lower efficiency guy. The defense is largely a wash to me. I, I don't yeah. watch either of them and think like defensive stalwart, but I, I think they can be good enough situationally. You know, that that they can actually play respectable defense in a playoff series or whatever. Although Collins mm-hmm. has been arguably like really bad in the playoffs, the yeah. last couple playoff runs for them. So uh, it's kind of like a, a wash to me, to be honest, like who is a better player. You, you get different things from each guy. I think the under contract thing is big. I would want to see what the extension is for Kuzma and what his team is thinking of. If they're thinking four for a hundred, I'm balking at that immediately. If I'm the wizard, right. if they can be, if you start at four for 70 and you can talk your way up to four for 80 or something, Okay, like now, now that gives me something to think about. I would rather have Kuzma just for the 
adults in the room piece of mm-hmm. this, whereas yeah. like Collins has been largely unhappy. I don't know that he's a malcontent or if just playing with Trey Young is hard to do or somewhere in the middle. But at least with the Kuzma stuff, you know, you're getting somebody that will help your young guys. He's not a total clown. And I don't right. think we can undersell that as an organization. And he actually seems to want to be here, which that could be the other thing. Collins may not even want to do that shit or he's sick of yeah. playing with Trey Young. So now you're going to put him next to Beal. It could also be tough. That yeah. makes me a little nervous about how he's going to accept that. I could see the KP. Yeah. And that's a weird dynamic. Like it's, it's, he's playing next to Trey Young. And you're thinking it's a great situation for him. Mm-hmm. But then in his mind, he's like, Hey, I'm shooting the lights out of the ball. I'm like, my true shooting percentage is 65%. Why can't I, am I only getting 11 shots a game? Right. So you could see both sides of it. And as you know, and then there was always also the contract issue with Atlanta last year. I think it was a situation where they basically, he wanted a max. They did not, I don't think he was able to find a max or they kind of came to an agreement sub-max. But it's one of those where if you kind of dare the player to go out there, yes, the contract gets signed, but sometimes there's underlying tension that remains. And I think that's also what I've read. That's remained a part of it, that the the contract situation from last year. Kuzma is the adult in the room. But the again, the issue that I have entirely with this, with what we're doing at the four is we have Denny, who's probably a better four, not a three. Mm-hmm. Rui, who's a four. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Todd, who they drafted and they're going to feature in summer league, who's a four. Anthony Gill and Kyle Kuzma. How much, how much, how many roster positions, how many, how much money, how much you just can't keep investing that much in one spot. Mm-hmm. This screams consolidation and it screams a replay of what we did last year where people were unhappy because they're, look, their dynamics are coming to play. Kuzma's going to be a free agent. Uh, Will Barton's going to be a free agent. Ruiz has a contract. Uh, that he's going to have to sign next season. Denny Avia is going to be extension eligible at the end of next season. If they're not playing, do you think they're going to be happy sitting on the bench? They're not. No. No matter how good the leadership is, no matter you you could bring back Anthony Gill and Kyle Kuzma, the locker room was still a mess last year because Mm -hmm. those factors, money, playing time, that impacts how the locker room goes. So get ahead of it, consolidate. You know, I don't care if it's at the three, if it's Collins or if it's at the four, you know, just do it somewhere. This is the second year in a row where we've heard the team waited until like halfway into the year to establish roles and responsibilities and have mm-hmm. that talk. And that's why you get this infighting shit. And I think yeah. and we have another year where the roster sort of just doesn't really make sense. It's like the island of misfit toys, you know, for a basketball team. And there's there's actually some talent. It's just how will they all piece together? And if you don't know your fit, it becomes really tough. And that's sort of why I would be less worried about going all in for Collins. If I'm them, that's that just sort of seems like, let's say he's a slight upgrade to Kuzma. Okay. You know, that's, yeah. Is that really where we want to put our focus in? Are they going to take Kuzma and, and Rui from us and call the day? Like I wouldn't be giving picks up to go. Yeah, that's fair. It's totally fair not to not give picks, but if you could get, say, get him for Kuzma and Kuzma and Corey Kispert, for example, and in doing so, or Will Barton, for example, and said, yeah, let's just say Kuzma and Barton to make it simpler. Okay. So you trade those two. You now clear a path of playing time for Kisper, Denny at the two. You have Rui as your backup four. You have Collins clearly as your four. We could also slide place minutes at, at the five. It's just cleaner, you know? And still, but, like, to me, I would just still rather have Kuzma and Barton. Again, like, who knows what KP's health situation will be like? Who knows yeah. what Beal's situation will be like? Right. If he's out, you lose a lot of creation that both Barton and, and Kuzma can give you that, that Collins really can't. So like, 
again, if, if I'm this team, I'm looking for who's the wing I can go get from some team. Is it OG? Which well, then that's, really, yeah. And that's, you know. look, I would put him over Collins. I would definitely, and I would trade more for him. Like if you got to consolidate two or three of those guys, plus the future pick, you got to do it at some point. You can't just can't keep running it back. So that's, that's yeah. definitely a way to go. I'm all for not drafting for need, but free agency should be about need and, right. and making yeah. trades should be about need at some point. Like, you know, if you can get an obvious talent upgrade, so be it. But all right. The other trade they made here, which we have, well, not the other trade, they made, the actual trade they made here, <laughs> which we should talk about. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope is no longer a wizard. Ish Smith is no longer a wizard. And Monte Morris and Will Barton, Baltimore's own Will Barton, are now Washington Wizards. Just break down their stats from last season. Morris in more of a featured role with Jamal Murray hurt, uh, put up 12.5 points, 4.5 assists, 3 rebounds, shot about 39.5% from 3, 87% from the line. He played 75 games, which I think is hugely important for this Wizards team. Will Barton averaged just a shade under 15 points, about 5 rebounds, about 4 assists. Shot 36.5% from three, 80% from the line, played 71 games. Again, really important. So their combined stats, 27 points, seven rebounds, eight assists, one and a half steals. And Caldwell Pope and Ish Smith were 19 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, 1.8 steals. On paper, they got more productive players for this. And they needed a point guard who could actually start some games, although I don't love Morris as a starter, but he, he makes threes and he distributes the ball. And I don't know, he puts in some amount of effort on defense, despite being too small to be like really good at it. So uh, it's fine. Will Barton's an expiring contract at uh, 14.3 million. Monte Morris is on a two year as two years and 19 million remaining. Both perfectly fine, movable contracts if you want to do something else. So I like that, too. I think this is, a, I think they win this trade, but it's still not like a big needle moving trade in my opinion. Agreed. Um, Matt Moore with CBS Sports, HP Basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you follow him. Yeah. He he um, is, I think, I think he's based out of Denver. He's a Nuggets fan. One or the other. Mm-hmm. He wrote this after the trade. Monte Morris is a consummate professional whose floor is really high. He's the very definition of what you want with a backup point guard. And that's, yeah, sums perfectly, it up perfect. perfectly sums up exactly what we got. We got a player who ideally is a backup, could be a placeholder starter, could start a game, a game for you if your point guard's on the injured list. And he's, this is, he's this ish is with a three-point shot. Right? Exactly. He's just a very solid, very, yeah, just like solid professional, nice player. Not going to, he basically solidifies, solidifies your floor mm-hmm. where you're not worried about, can you get into your offensive sets, but he's not, Change, he's not leaping you over Atlanta or the Hornets or anyone like that. He, and the other issue I kind of have with it is it's more roster roster fit. Mm-hmm. He's 6'2", 6'1", 6'2". Beal is 6'3". You have basically invested in, hey, we are going to have a small backcourt. Yeah. And we know Beal doesn't really defend that well. Um, Monte is probably, I would bet, at best, I would say an average defender. Not above average, just average, solid, you know, passable, you know. Um, so you have a smaller, like we just saw the playoffs. Everyone was tall, switchable, physical, and we're going to go in with 6'2 and 6'3. So if we get a big wing switched on our guards, we're cooked, you know? So to some degree, they've mitigated that by adding DeLon Wright. Which I could actually see Wright being the starter for the first media timeout and then Morris mm-hmm. comes in or something. I could see him being the better ideal fit next to Beal, mm-hmm. but this is also Wes Unsold Jr.'s guy, I'm assuming. Sure. So I, and he knows the system. 
and there were complaints about the offense last season. I think he's going to be the guy here. I think it's Monte Morris's team, um, which I, you know, play your two worst defenders together at the guard position. That's fine. I will, I will enjoy the minutes where Delon Wright and Johnny Davis are harassing the opposition's backcourt for those 10 minutes that they get in the, each half. So, I, you know, it's just one of the, like what we talked about, they, and Kevin told us this when we did a pod with him, they say, oh, we need defense. Let's get this guy. We need shooting. We get this guy. Yeah. Plug but and play one skill. Each guy has one skill. So let's just kind of break it down. Like you have um, passing, shooting and defense, right? Mm-hmm. So you have, I mean, how many players on the team can do all three or, or even simplifying it more, how many can even do our solid two-way two players? Two of the three? <laughs> yeah, two of the three. Let's just say how many people are just two-way players. So it's hard to say Monte Morris is a two-way player. It's hard to say Beal is. So this is your projected starters. Mm-hmm. Morris, Beal, who are you projecting at the three? Because I, I really don't know yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I broke down like the playing time by position per basketball reference. And, and Barton mm-hmm. played mostly as a shooting guard last year, but he's played plenty of small forward in the past. It, okay. it wouldn't surprise me to see him start so at least say early him. in the year. And and reports are, or kind of what I've read is that his defense, he had a down defensive year for Denver. He's, yeah. he's mostly like, okay, from what okay, I've seen. Right. Yeah. So, okay, you have Kuzma, who did not have a great defensive season last year. And yet Porzingis, who was better defensively before the injury. Now he is, he's a little limited in how much he could do on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't move that well, obviously. So who is your, yes, they've added defense. They've added right. They've added Davis. They, they might do some other stuff, but none of them are starting. So your starters don't have that. And then when your backups, I mean, you're not going to lean on your backups too heavily because they're your backups for a reason. Your starters are going to play the most minutes. So you have that like kind of, you could, you know, yes, you have a defensive unit and an offensive unit, but you don't have anyone that can do both. <laughs> I think part of this is just going to have to be scheme too. And at a certain point, if you say we we are going to play Porzingis and he's going to be the starting like center on the team, he's basically a drop coverage big. And if you're already not switching your five, it's really hard to switch everything else the rest of the way because he's just right. going to get hunted. So if you're now saying we're just not going to be a very switchable defense, then you're probably like, well, shit, we might as well just get the best guy we can. And if he's small, so be it. We already can't switch shit. Like that's basically what mm-hmm. the Hawks are going to have to do with Trey Young long-term. Like it's why they could go after somebody like Gobert. Well, we can't switch because of Trey Young. So we might as well get a center that can't switch. And, you know, that's just, you're going to have to have guys that play hard and fight through screens and things like that. And, and hopefully yeah. Morris will do that. I, I, I'm not sort of overwhelmed about what the defensive potential is with that group, but I think you're right. That was their move is just bolster the defense as much as they can around those guys. And yeah. whether that works, I, I don't know. I mentioned this on the pod before, but at the A-10 tournament I went to, I was sitting next to um, a scout for another team. And he was talking about how they made a big defensive jump. And he was saying that defense is less about scouting guys that have great defensive individual tools. And it's more about five guys kind of all buying in to the same scheme. And, you know, that whole thing. And I think there's something to that, but you have yeah. to have a baseline of like some amount of these guys are good defenders. Like someone right. has to be above average defensively, no matter how good you are about buying into a scheme, someone has to be like the linchpin of that scheme. Right. So you and I were in a conversation earlier, for those who don't know what's where we were talking about just the Warriors defensively. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a good example. Yes. The Warriors don't always play great defensive players. Curry is not a great defensive player. Poole is not a good defensive player. Right. But they have Draymond Green, who's their quarterback defensively. Yeah. Looney became a solid defensive five. Yeah, Wiggins became him. right. Wiggins became a good stopper. 
And more, most importantly, Steph, Stephen Curry um, gave a damn on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, he put for put forth defensive effort. So those things brought it all together. So we just don't have that element. It's like kind of what I would have preferred. And it maybe it, it, there, there are some drawbacks to it. Like, let's say they did not get Monte Morris. Mm-hmm. If they had gotten DeLon Wright, started him, and then signed a Gary Payton to be the backup, then you always have a defensive player on the floor. See what I'm saying? Your that point of attack been, is good, right? I mean, your point of attack was also good because you have, yes, you have Beal, but then you have Beal with Wright, Payton, Johnny Davis. That's three of the four play defense. Now two of the four do, and which are you going to have one of those defensive guys on the floor at all times? I don't know. And that, that's why I think at least sort of de facto starter might be right, at least at yeah. some point during the year. Maybe sense. not Maybe not to start the year. Like you said, Morris knows how Wes wants to play, but I could see them getting to that point. And then you just sort of mix and match guys or whatever. But, you know, what that looks like, We I was just, again, pulling up the who played what minutes at what position and basketball reference said that uh, per their estimates, Avdia actually played more minutes as a small forward last year than a power forward. Mm-hmm. Maybe they say, hey, we're going to have him start and right start. And at least we've got two above average defenders on the court. And we're just going to rely on Beal, Kuzma and KP to carry the offense next to those two guys. But, yeah. you know, it, it just it's still clunky at the end of the day. Like the teams that did well in the playoffs had a lot of two way guys. And exactly. If, if they didn't, it was because that guy was such a mega presence. Like they were elite on the other end. Yeah. You know, whatever you think about Marcus Smart, he's elite defensively. Whatever you think about Steph Curry, he's elite offensively. And um, Beal, I think, counts as elite offensively, even after a down year last year. Is Porzingis elite? Is Kuzma elite? I don't know. Um, so it just you have to be so good to make up for the fact that you don't play one end of the floor. And and that's that's going to be challenging. So I just, I'm looking at this group point guards. You've got Morrison, Wright, Shooting guards, Beal, Johnny Davis, ideally will Barton, probably ideally Kispert might as well be a shooting guard for what mm-hmm. he brings you really very few small forward options. Maybe Kispert, maybe Barton, maybe Avdia power forwards, Kuzma, Hachimura, maybe Avdia Gil, Todd, and then your centers, you have Porzingis Gafford and I guess Vernon Carey Jr. I don't even know if yeah. that counts because I don't think he'll ever meaningfully contribute on the court for the Wizards. So i be honest, like I'm underwhelmed by the group. I actually think they'll be, this is a, a higher end play-in team to me on paper. I think they moved as well as they could have given the situation they had and got just decent basketball players, <coughs> which, you know, mm-hmm. I'm cool with that at the end of the day, but it just, if we're supposed to be excited about this, these aren't the moves. Right. Just not. And kind of your point and in another discussion that we had today in, in talking with some folks, I even threw this out there like, hey, maybe Avdia has to be the starting small forward because of the lineup. But then, like you said, teams don't have to guard him. Mm-hmm. And no matter, and if teams don't have to guard you, you're not a two-way player. Yep. You may have the potential to be one, but you're not one yet. So Avdia shot, I believe, let me see if I got the number right, 3.2, three-point attempts per game last season. Of those 3.2 attempts per game, three of them, so only 0.2, Attempts per game were not open or wide open. So basically every three-point shot that he took last season, nearly, approximately, was an open or very wide open jump shot, which means they're just not guarding him. And so you're making life difficult on the other offensive players around him. 
Yeah. Shout out, Justin. I love you. I just didn't buy the two-way argument uh, on this one. <laughs> I want that to be the case. I hope he can make it. Uh, it was funny. I'm, I, I'm just, whatever you think about Doug Gottlieb, the person, he does know a good amount about basketball. And he had this funny like tweet rant about why do trainers try to get players to get rid of the dip in their shot? And that's all I think every time I watched any shoot is why are you so <laughs> stiff? Why can't you ever Please bring the ball down below? Right your chin. Now I granted, you don't want it down, bringing it all the way down below your knees. You'd rather catch ready to shoot the clay Thompson thing. Okay, fine. But it, it's hard to just like never move as a shooter. So somebody's hopefully drew Hanlon is fixing that for us hopefully. as we speak, Yep. <laughs> but you know, Kispert, honestly, he wasn't much better. Um, he's actually shot worse from wide open threes than, than Denny did. So it's just sort of like, those are the guys that are going to get the most open looks. They did get the highest percentage of their looks wide open this year. And they, they didn't, they didn't make, knock them down. Right. Didn't make an above average percentage for them. So this, I don't know, like you need a, a three point shooting. Ideally it would have been coming from the same player, yeah. but that's not to be. And with Corey it would be disappointing if he doesn't significantly increase that number, if he's okay. on the roster next season, because shooting was supposed to be his go-to. Mm-hmm. You you excuse you but kind of dismiss some of it as oh he's a rookie transitioning to the NBA three point line, but this is kind of it. Like you have to knock down those shots now. You can't miss those wide open ones. Yeah, agreed. The other player I think they thought maybe could have eventually been a two way player for them. We heard a lot of Victor Oladipo to DC rumors, VO to DC a reunion coming home. That ended up being like a total cock tease. I mean just. Like really, really kind of just a smokescreen, I think, from his camp and use the Wizards to like fluff his value. Yeah. Uh, and he got one year, $11 million from Miami, and they weren't even rumored to be one of the two teams to bring him back. <laughs> so I don't know if he's just salary for them in a potential trade to try to go get KD or some shit. I, I don't even know what the case is there or to go get Donovan Mitchell, who supposedly now wants to go to Miami. And that whole thing was weird to me, but it didn't seem actually all that realistic that he actually wanted to come here. He played good, def- uh, good defense in the playoffs. Offense sort of hit or miss because the shooting's yeah, not there. Yeah, his shot's not there. Right. And he doesn't have the athleticism anymore to just like slash by everyone. So, yeah, you know, if you don't play 30 games a year, I don't want you. So to be honest, I'd rather have Will Barton in that role than yeah. Oladipo at this point anyway. So I'm not too upset about that one. But he that, that's maybe what they thought. He intrigued me a little bit if their idea was we're going to go non-traditional point guard and mm-hmm. play him next to Beal. Yeah. But once they signed Morris, then I'm like, okay, you're just signing. If you sign Oladipo, you're really just blocking Johnny Davis. So why'd you draft Johnny Davis? You know? Mm-hmm. So I didn't mind losing out on him. And it was definitely a case, it seems, where he just used the Wizards to raise the price on the Heat. Uh, would be a total first for anyone to yeah. <laughs> uh, use the Wizards in some way with no real attempt to come here. Yeah. Uh, the other elephant in the room, Kevin Durant just totally blew up free agency day. I think that's why we haven't seen bigger moves, to be honest, is because everybody's waiting to see how that kind of drama plays itself out and want to keep cap space and work all that stuff out longer term. But I think we can just put this to bed right now for anybody who feels the need to continue to tweet this at the Bolts River account. <laughs> Kevin Durant does not want to come to DC. He didn't want to come here before. He's made it very clear that there's too many people in the area, like tugging at him and trying to pull him different ways. The guy like does all of his outside of basketball stuff, which he seems to care about. And I don't blame him, I guess in New York. So trying to be near Philly or somewhere like that seems reasonable. 
even Miami, I kind of get it. Uh, so, you know, I just, it doesn't seem like that's in the cards. Uh, and if it was, so be it. Now, I don't know, maybe there's a little more there than we know and, and stuff like that, but it's just one of those things where like, we, we, we got to move on from that and we don't have the pieces to beat anybody out. I actually yeah. had to argue with someone today that said, we've got Kuzma, we've got Rui, we've got Denny, we've got Todd, we've got Kispert. What does Phoenix have? They only have DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges and all this stuff. I'm like, their fourth most valuable asset is better than anyone we have yep. from from Brooklyn's perspective. I'm You're really right. sorry. I love Kuzma. I literally am the like card carrying president <laughs> of the Kuzma fan club. Mikhail Bridges is more appealing to a team like the Brooklyn Nets than Kuzma right. is. It's just yeah. it's just a fact. I'm real sorry. It, it is funny and it's funny because everyone's talking about Durant. Oh, let's get this guy. Let's get this star. As a Wizards fan, all I want is Mikhail Bridges. And it's like, even that's, even that's too much to ask for. Like my dream is once in 20 years, like we get a Mikhail Bridges in free agency or a trade for a player like that. But it's like, I'm dreaming too big. No. <laughs> it, it's the one thing that every team that's good in the NBA has said, we need to get this guy. And right. that's why everyone's like, oh, we can't drop another small forward. And it's like my biggest pet peeve in Wizards fandom. We don't ever have any real three and D wings. Like we're arguing over whether or not Denny yeah. is a three and D wing. Go watch the Suns play and see if Denny gives you what Bridges gives you. Yes, like that is a three and D. <laughs> uh, it's what it's what Jason Tatum does at an elite level. Like all the best teams in the world have three and D yeah. wings, and they stockpile as many of them as, as they can, and they never become available because teams pay them whatever they need to keep them. Mm -hmm. That's why we can't get any. We don't draft good ones. Right, and we can't we can't attract those kinds of guys here because we never have enough cap space for them. Yeah, and then even yeah, back on the Durant thing too, like just in this tying in with this whole whole trade, like you said, I don't understand the dynamic, the home dynamic. I'm sure it's difficult. I could only imagine. Well, actually, I can't even really imagine. So, if it's too much for him to come here, I totally get it. You mm -hmm. know, I'm not going to criticize him for that, but there's no reason to think that it's even possible. That said, mm -hmm. am I allowed to take a shot? at the fact that, that the two places, his two preferred destinations are the team with the best record in the NBA last season and the Miami Heat, Miami Heat lost in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Coattail right, Let me man, just that's say how brave of the man to want to, to want to help a 64-win team. It's heroic. Team. It's very heroic. I mean, he's really like, you know, when you think of like, like you know, someone waving goodbye to your hero, like, we please please come back, like, you know, going off to, you know, it's like, that's how you, that's how you picture it. You're like... You know, like you're so brave. You're so he wants brave. to lift them up out of the cellar <laughs> to cement his legacy as one of the greatest players of all time. He beat oh, LeBron Lord. head to head in one playoffs and is so butthurt that he's not one of the best players ever in people's argument. It's like actually come to DC and turn this like swamp yeah. of a town. Go anywhere and just turn them around. Like don't literally you don't need to join a 64 win team. If you went to Minnesota and they won, everybody yeah, that'd be cool. Like, like, Great. Minnesota has Minnesota would be a title contender if you went yeah. there, and they would be a fun team, and there's no reason that they can't be there. Go somewhere like that. Yeah, New yeah. Orleans or whatever it is. You know, does yeah. does Ingram and some stuff get it done? Go play. You're trying to play with on. one of the best point guards of all time, or you're trying to play with Jimmy Butler, who actually has tried to do what you aren't trying to do because he is willing to go one on five and like be like Rambo, looking at the Russian army in Rambo <laughs> Three and saying, "I got it." You know, <laughs> yeah, out of my way. <laughs> it's it, it's yeah it's and the only thing i hate more than the KD rumor right now is the question of like can the wizards make Kyrie happen 
I just want to be on record for anyone who has asked me what my stance is about <laughs> Kyrie coming to the Wizards. I would rather ride a unicycle 100 miles with uh, a fireplace poker as the seat than have Kyrie Irving as a member of the Wizards. I just the, I, I have no interest in that whatsoever. Now, where I differ a little bit there is is at least I'll be able to ooh and ah crossover. Sure. Every, every five we'll be, minutes will be a shit show still, but at least occasionally we'll be. We're going to win forty points. games, but like there'll be a crossover, and I'll I'll just get on Twitter. And I'll be like, we have the best handle, like our players' best handles in the NBA, or I'll just start that whole most most skilled player ever. This is the Simmons thing all over again. Like you don't know if they're going to get on the court. You can't yep. guarantee. Like no one can tell me with a hundred percent certainty that Kyrie is definitely going to play the majority of the games for his team this year right. and not create some kind of nonsense. Ben Simmons, same stuff. Like I, I just don't have any interest in that. Mm-hmm. And this franchise needs to think of things in a, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong here scenario. So yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oz, any parting shots here, final thoughts about free agency thus far that you want to leave folks with? Oh, I mean, look, this is it. the wizards. I'm down on them right now after this year, like after the last season. And they haven't done anything that has taken me off that. I'm, I don't think they're a bad team, but if they don't make a trade, I don't think they're a good team. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to make a consolidation trade. They've done some nice things, but if they don't do a consolidation trade and, and improve themselves, either the three or four, three or the four, it's going to be a very mediocre team. And at that point, we have a top 14 protected pick in the 2023 draft. Yep. Massive draft expert. But what I've been read is that this is a very talented draft. It's the year. Yep. I would rather have the 13th, 14th pick or better than make the playoffs and lose in round one. We should have learned our lesson from what happened in the 21 draft when, well, yeah, basically the same scenario. We got Corey Kispert, better players went ahead of him. I don't want to repeat that mistake again in a better draft. You're 100% right. I, I think, you know, the top four guys in, in this year's draft would be like five through eight in next year's draft based yeah. on what everybody's projecting. And we'll see if that actually plays out. A lot of times there are people that are busts, you know, Caleb Houston and Peyton Watson were preseason top tens last year. And so was Yannick Zosa, who's now a wizard. So <laughs> uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that. And I like off. that pick. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I actually kind of like that pick. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. I don't know. Anyway, I'm in the same boat. I think the ceiling is a six seed. Uh, that's if everything goes right. So I, I know this wasn't the hopeful podcast everybody was uh, hoping for, but we'll do a, maybe an emergency pod if they go get John Collins or we're all wrong and KD comes to DC. So uh, Oz, thank you as always. Everybody, thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We're presented by Bet Online, and we will catch you whenever there's more news. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.